I was like, bud, that ship has sailed. You're like, like, I do. And I was like, yeah. you can Google me. Even if I don't have herpes, <laughs> I do have herpes. Like this The is- internet is a better test than the one that you have administered. Yeah. I'm a fraud. Welcome to the episode of Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. I'm Allie, back with my co-host, Erica, and we are sitting in our hotel room in Greece. Uh, I'm having the best time. This has been the best vacation so far. And can I say this is this is a weird thing we both said. The vacation has been going slow in the best way. The best way. Actually, somebody last night at dinner, I said that after you and I had that conversation and she was like, oh my God, I said the same thing. It's amazing. It's like, oh my gosh, it's only Wednesday. Although now I woke up this morning. I was like, wait, it's Thursday. We're going home in two days. I know. I'm a, I mean, I'm not bummed. I'm just, I'm trying to enjoy it as much as I can. It's just, it's been very interesting of we've had a ton of activities, a ton of stuff, so much fun. And it hasn't felt like, oh no, the week's over. Like I, I feel truly, truly relaxed. A fantastic vacation. Honestly, and I, I, this is, I think the first vacation I've been on that I, I turned off my notifications for work. I turned off Outlook and I turned off Teams and I have not looked. I have not looked. Yeah, that's very, very clutch. What I love is, you know, obviously it's easy um, to go to Europe now and with phone plans, you can do $10 a day. So you, you know, your phone works. But what I do is I go to the settings. I turn off all the cellular for every app, except like my texting, my calling, you know, the little app we use. What is it called? Telegram. Yeah, everyone's joining that app, by the way. Uh, now, I keep getting notifications. I'm like, why are you on Telegram? <laughs> Where are you going? Are you going Are you going on a Trova trip too? Um, but it's it's made me not be on my phone and break that habit. And it has been so blissful. It's so wonderful. I also, that, that reminded me when we just, when I just pulled the mic away from your mouth to say Telegram, that due to our tech setup in Greece, we are using one microphone. <laughs> so, so, so. Some side comments, maybe a little muffled. We apologize in advance. Yes. But um, also, we had our cute little gift bags that everybody loved when we arrived. And coming in clutch was Sunset Lake CBD. <laughs> um, yeah, Sunset Lake gifted us and all of the people on the trip their sleep gummies, which are their CBD gummies that have melatonin in them that you and I both use on a regular basis. And we were so excited to gift them to all the travelers to help with the jet lag. We love Sunset Lake. They're incredible. Yeah. And you might need it if you come to Greece just because uh, the Greek coffee is, uh, woo, don't see that coming, you know? Yeah. I actually, I had an espresso martini at dinner last night and I usually, I can do that with dinner and then be okay to go to sleep. Mm-mm, not last night. Thank you, Sunset Lake CBD. <laughs> yeah. Coming in clutch. So, uh, I mean, I love all their melatonin stuff. They also have the drops, which I guess we really need for the Greek coffee now. Uh, but yeah, check out their website. They got so much stuff. SunsetLakeCBD.com. We also traveled with it easily, which is a great plus point. Um, and we got a promo code FMH20 for 20% off. Yeah, I was really worried. I actually asked them. I was like, this is for Greece. So is this going to be okay? I, I'm going to be traveling with 25 of these little like containers. Like, am I going to get stopped? Like some sort of, you know, whatever, but they said, no, it's totally fine. And it was totally fine. So SunsetLakeCBD.com, FMH20, we'll get you 20% off. We hope you love it as much as we do. So I've talked a little bit on the pod about how I've been trying to extend my damp January into, into future months. 
And I have really been enjoying recess mocktails as a way to have what feels like a fancy drink at home, but without the alcohol. Yeah. And also, it's nice to have something in your fridge that just has a little bit of flavor. Totally. And they're they're delicious. They're made with real fruit, sweetened with agave, and again, 0% alcohol. So just a nice, nice little flavorful drink. That is a little little play on our favorites here. They got a bunch of great flavors. My personal favorite is the Recess Watermelon Mojito. I actually like to garnish it like it's a actual cocktail. Like I put it in a coupe glass, feeling all fancy, garnish it with a little sprig of mint. It is delicious. And my favorite is the Recess Ginger Lime Mule. I'm a ginger gal. And what I love also, not too sweet. Perfect amount of just a little little sweet treat. They're absolutely delicious, and you can get 15% off recess mocktails now at takearecess.com slash FMH, so you can enjoy your favorite cocktails without the consequences. Yeah, so uh, you got a few updates, specifically the matchmaker you finally got to talk to about a little little rude situation. Gone with the wind. Yes, gone with the wind. Gone with the wind. (laughs) Which might have only been a Patreon thing, but on the Patreon, we started calling him gone with the wind because he's gone. There's no, it's not that deep, like that's it. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. So she was on vacation when I went out with him. And then I left. And so we, like, set a time to talk later. So I hadn't talked to her yet. Um, She was horrified. Like, even possibly possibly more horrified than I was. Yeah. I mean, I would assume because she picked him. Essentially. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, And she said, which you and I talked about, maybe on the Patreon, maybe on here, I don't remember, but um, that, like, People have kind of two modes, like they're like, you know, buttoned up business mode versus when they're like trying to flirt. Obviously, his way of trying to flirt was not the way. Yeah, I don't. Have you seen The Office? Are you an Office fan? I've seen it. Okay, so I don't know if you've seen Date Mike. They basically set up the boss, Michael, who is the cringe one, right? Who you love, but is just socially awkward and doesn't understand social boundaries, right? They indirectly set him up, but don't tell him of group hang. And he's killing it with this girl killing it crushing it they're like oh he's you know they're hitting it off and then he finds out it's a bit of a setup and then he like puts a hat on back for and he's like date bike oh, and then just ruins the whole thing and they're watching a train wreck in real life like what is this but it it almost is one of those things of oh suddenly people go oh i'm on a date now let me be mr i'm funny on a date or something turns in men's heads that they just they just tank it themselves, you know? Uh, yeah. So she would because so she told me that when she interviewed him technically, right? But when she first chatted with him, that it was the middle of the workday and he was, I think he was on his phone, but they were on a video call, but he was on his phone. He had like stepped out of work, like in a full suit. He does something where you wear like a full suit. And so he was like sitting on the street talking to her in, and he was very much, she could tell in like business mode yeah like she she referred to him as very buttoned up she liked him but but he was definitely very buttoned up and so apparently this is him when he's not buttoned up yeah exactly this is this is date gone with the wind wind. (laughs) yes and like i he also i i mentioned before that he had to cancel our, our original um date because he was dealing with a family emergency that was extremely difficult and legitimate. And so could that have impacted his affect? Sure. But like probably, but the things that he said, those have to be in your head already. Yeah. Now the, I forget what the comment was we said publicly, but the public comment we said that was bad. Very bad. Yes. Just in general, like the, the, like to be, I would describe him as misogynistic overall. And 
th- those that doesn't just happen. Like you don't go through something difficult and then become a misogynist in a week. Like that doesn't happen. Like that shit's already there. Even if maybe he had a filter, typically speaking, that he wouldn't say those things out loud. I'm honestly glad he did because I'm glad I knew they were there. Yeah, exactly. But uh, what was the conclusion of the combo? So she, like I said, she was horrified. Um, I do have another match. So she, I'm obviously on vacation, so I'm not going to meet him until after we get back, but she did connect us. Um, and she, regarding Gone with the Wind, she's putting a note in his profile just about this whole thing. She is, she's going to leave him in the, this is my understanding at least, she's going to leave him in the database so that there is that note. So that if somebody else comes upon him, they're like, oh, don't set this man up with someone. Yeah. Okay. Good call. So it's, yeah, good. Yeah. So basically, Gone with the Wind is gone. Um, and I have a new match. So I will meet him. Well, I told him I would text him. We like texted a little bit just to like establish the contact. And then I was like, all right, I'm, you know, he knew already I'm leaving for two weeks. I'll text you when I get back. Um, so I will do that. Perfect. And uh, what's the update on publicist man? Publicist man, who I almost just re- referred to him as his real name because I've been using his 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 real name with you, and like I don't, I was saying this to the to the people that are on the trip, like I don't use the nicknames in real life because I I, I like these people and I, they have names and I use the names, um, so sometimes I have to be like oh, publicist, um, so I saw him as we talked about last time. I saw him like right before I left for this two week trip. My time in between the two trips was not enough to see anyone or do anything. I got back from Dallas at, I want to say I walked in my door at like 10, 30, 11 at night and our flight to Greece, we left for the airport at 4 PM the next day. And I had not packed. Cause I mean, who has two full sets of luggage sitting around? So like I had to like unpack repack. There was no time. And also the man works. So like he, he's a job. So like he wasn't even free during the day. Yeah. Also, can we give a shout out to Cindy on the bags? Oh, Yes. The side note from the beginning of the, from the top. Yes. The welcome bags. If you, if you follow us on Instagram, you've seen in the stories. Yeah. Cindy made my best friend who, for those of you who don't recognize her name immediately. Um, she made us these amazing fanny packs. She went to art school. She's like a jewelry designer by trade, I guess is the, the way to put it, but she is just incredible at all things art. And she previously had made custom fanny packs for our volleyball team, for a bachelorette trip I did. She uses paint pens and like hand paints with these paint pens on these bags. And so it has everyone's name on them and they're so cute. Yeah. Uh, basically, if you have, especially a bachelorette type situation where you want to do something, a little gifty thing for everybody, it could be like, you know, the nice water bottle, whatever. I was already like, I am hiring Cindy because I, as we mentioned in the last episode, not crafty. <laughs> And don't enjoy doing that stuff, you know? Like, I would happily pay someone else and go, I'm going to mail you all the items, put it on the bags, make it look cute. You got it. So we'll put Cindy's link in the description. Is that something uh, you guys are looking for? Yeah, she's at Hellaheka. We'll put it in the show notes too, but at Hellaheka on Instagram, you can reach out to her. She does custom, like, it's obviously custom, but she's made, I went on another bachelor party. She made us all water bottles. Like, she could definitely do it on hats. Like, she can, She she's just amazing. She also made us little friendship bracelets, like a la Taylor Swift, Ares Tour. Um... Yeah, they're very cute. So anyway, yes, thank you. Great. They're they're just amazing. Um, so I didn't see him in between the two trips. And we previously, including on my Dallas trip, had been talking like every day, super consistently. He wakes up earlier than I do. More days than not, I wake up to some sort of TikTok or like something that has made him think of me in the morning. And so 
this is this is on me. I've done I've I've done a lot of reflection in the last few days about like our communication going into this trip. I assumed, and we know what happens when you assume. Yeah. <laughs> I just assumed that that both of us knew that that would continue, and like both of us knew that the other person wanted that to continue. Yes. Right. You're like we talk every day. Yeah. You don't even think about it anymore. So I don't even think about it. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't. I didn't even really think about the fact that we talked every day. We just do. Right. Very secure attachment. Yeah. You're like, we got the secure attachment. We're not worried about it anymore. We're no longer an anxious girly. We're living our life. We're, <laughs> we're still an anxious girly, but but we are living our life. <laughs> we, we That part's true. Um, And so I left for Greece. I mean, he like wished me a safe flight, you know, all the stuff. And, and we were like texting, but not the same and not at the same cadence. Right. And so I was like, you know what? I'm I'm going to say something. I'm going to say like, hey, like, you know, I would really love to talk more, you know, maybe video chat. And I kind of realized that he, I think, and I actually know this now because of uh, more conversations that we had, like he knows not only am I on vacation, but like, it's kind of a work trip. Mm-hmm. Like it, it truly doesn't feel that way for the record at, yeah. at all. <laughs> it, yeah. Like it feels like a full ass vacation and I love every single person and like, I feel like I'm just on the trip with my friends at this point. Oh yeah, uh, I'll say it. we got very lucky. This group yes. has been so fun, so awesome, so great combo of want to go out, have fun, want to have chill time. No one's leaving anybody out. Beautiful. I I'm like I got what twenty best friends. <laughs> like, yes. I'm so excited. It's been amazing. Like literally, I'm like, oh, I have so many cities that I can go to and have a friend. Yeah, and. And you're right. Like, the, yeah, side note for a second. Like, no one, no one is, there's, it's not clicky. It's, and multiple people have come up to us and been like, this group. Yeah. And also, it makes me think every time people say, how can I make new friends? What's something I can do to make new friends? Honestly, go on one of these trips, especially if you're one of the, you feel like you're one of the only single girls in your friend group. It's so nice to just go meet new people. Everybody's in vacation mode. I, I love it. Yeah. It's fantastic. Only, there's only one pair that came together that already knew each other. Everybody else came by themselves, didn't know anybody, like just very brave. And it it, it worked out just amazingly well. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I brought my mom on one once and we had a great time. And they were like, this is the only time we've ever had someone bring their mother with them. <laughs> but I mean, I didn't care. I had fun, you know, like didn't matter, especially because the age range pretty wide also. Absolutely. I mean, like you and I were saying like, fuck, should we do this with our moms? Like mother daughter trip? Like we're, you know, not official, still in the works, but like that could be so cool. It could be so fun. Yeah. I mean, I'd be down. I've gone with my mom before. Also, she, it's more like that would make her day. I go, you want to do another one of those? She'd be like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Um, yeah. Anyway. So just, I don't, I lost my train of thought because every, because I got so excited about how amazing. Yes. Public communication. Thank you. Um, so, but going into the trip, I, I don't know what to expect. Like, you know, and, and technically is a work trip. Like I'm, you know, hosting, like got to make sure everything's going well, got to, you know, like, but one of the nice things about using a company like Trova Trip, and this is not a, like, I just, I'm just saying this out of the, the actual yeah. belief. I don't have to do that. And, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that I was going to be able to be so hands-off and truly have a vacation and just forge connections with people. Right. Exactly. It's been, it's just been awesome. I, I just love a trip where I have had to plan nothing and they go be at the lobby at this time, bring a bathing suit or bring a this. I go, great. Yeah. Perfect. And we've also had a lot of like really nice free time, 
where like people have been able, we've done some stuff in a group during our free time, but also one of the things that I like about the groups a little older, I mean, by that, I mean, are closer to our age, like people feel really comfortable doing what they want to do. And if that means that they want to hang back at the hotel, cause they're a little tired. If that means they want to break off in a smaller group or go shopping by themselves, like everybody feels really comfortable in our free time, or even in so a couple of people have skipped some planned activities. Cause they're like, you know what? I'm not feeling it today. And we're like, great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm not a hike girly, yeah. but, but I tried it. I said, I'll do it. There's, there was a point you could go back home. <laughs> and I said to myself, I'm probably going to turn around on the go back home point. And, uh, I felt like that was a great, I just was like, all right, I'm going to go. And then two other people were like, okay, me too. And it felt like early on people were like, oh, nice. Okay. It's, I can opt out. Yes. Yeah. I can like do what I want. Um, so anyway, <laughs> so going into this, I think I now realize that he was trying to give me some space to like be on this trip and, you know, be kind of like on all the time and and host it and yeah. that kind of thing. And I needed to be the one to say like, no, I do still want to make time to talk to you while I'm there, even though I'm halfway across the world and like doing all these things. Yes, exactly. So what, what did he say when you brought it up? I, I did, I didn't even say it like, oh, we haven't been talking. Like I didn't frame it that way. I just was like, Hey, like, I would love to like connect a bit more while I'm gone. Like, I know I'm, you know, really busy, but like, I do want to talk to you still. And like, like, would you be down for a video chat? He said, yes. We like kind of the time difference makes it really hard. Um, but especially cause he's like working and he goes to the office most days. So trying to figure that out, but I think we're going to video chat tonight. Okay. I mean, I told you before, Hey, you need the room for a minute. <laughs> just let me know. I'll get out of the room. I'm also a late night girly. So I'm happy to just chill by the pool or whatever. But, uh, you know, kind of like college style where it's like, yo, I need the room. Oh. Sock on the door. Yeah. 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 Some, some kind of system, but I'm like, please don't be shy. Please let me know. It's not gonna be that kind of video chat, but I, I will let you know. Um, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I'm really glad that I did that. And I, I was starting to feel kind of anxious about it. Like I was starting to be that anxious girly that I am and, and think like, did something change? You know, that, and the answer is no. He was extremely enthusiastic. Like yesterday we were supposed to, we like had planned to do it yesterday the timing didn't end up working out based on when we were done with dinner versus when he had to go to a work event. And he was like, I didn't even see this because we were at dinner and I wasn't on my phone at dinner, but he was like giving me like very regular updates of what his timing was looking like. And that not in a pressury way, but that his window was closing for when he had to leave. Yeah. And by the time we were done with dinner, his, that window had closed, which is totally fine. But like, I just, that was very reassuring to me that I like, and he knew that I was at dinner. So he was not, he was not like, where the fuck are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's not like, where have you been? Yeah. But I really appreciated that he was like, okay, I'm home. You know, that like we had talked about, okay, whenever he gets home and whenever I get home, like if that works out, he was like, all right, I'm like getting ready for the thing, probably gonna leave in about an hour. And then he was like, ooh, cause um, right now the is the wildfires from Canada. The, the it, New York is insane right now. Like air quality is like the worst it's ever been. And so he was like, oh, actually, like, it's going to take me longer than I thought to get there due to the situation. So, like, I have a little bit less time. And then he was like, OK, I'm leaving. Like, hope you had so much fun at dinner. Like, here's when I'm free tomorrow. Yeah. OK. But so as of right now, you haven't FaceTimed yet. Yeah. But no, but we are tonight. Um, And I think it's so funny. I thought that video chatting with him was going to be the thing that made me. Like, calm myself. Mm. It was actually the conversation 
about the video chat where he was like reciprocating my enthusiasm to do it. Yeah, you have a plan. We love a plan. We love a plan. Love a plan. We love a plan. Um, and also like we love enthusiasm for the plan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is the man that sent you a freaking, you know, Resi email or whatever, Gmail thing. Very true. Very true. Um, so yeah, we're gonna video chat tonight. Um, I've also been texting with Mr. Chaotic. I haven't told you this. Oh, uh, where's where's he at right now? Is he gonna be back in New York when you're back? I haven't asked that question yet. I'm maybe maybe today I'll tell him I'm coming back. Um, he's been in LA actually. Oh, right. He's he's homies with Cassidy. Exactly. Um, although I did, she posted a whole thing about pride and I was like zooming in on each person in the picture to see if he was like in her pictures and he is not. So I'll, I'll save you all the time. He is not in those pictures. <laughs> yeah. You're like, let me, let me make sure I don't have to edit this out if Eric fucks it up. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, but he, the man gives good text. Really? Almost like a, what? Lindsay Metzler banter queen a little bit. Yeah. 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 So like, I'll give you one example. So he had said previously in the trip, like, feel free to send pictures of like amazing views and amazing food. It was like, I think I'm going to have a lot of those. So I will. And so I have been like here and there. It hasn't been every day. A couple of days ago, I sent him a picture of like um, the euros that we had in um, on Santorini. Oh, I will dream about that euro. Oh, my God. The best euros, by the way, are like street food euros if you ever go. Yeah, this was like a little hole in the wall. Like guy was like scraping the euro meat right in the window. Yeah. Um, so I sent him a picture of that euro and then also a picture of me in a red romper, um, which is important for the banter in front of the like sunset that we saw here in Naxos that was so beautiful. Yeah. So I sent him those two and he wrote back and said, um, like, I think he said something like, love the red. He said, he said like, oh, like love the red or you look great in red or like something like that. But I'd probably steal that euro for myself. Got to be honest. Okay, cute, cute. I like it. And then I said something like, oh, I would definitely make you get your own. And he said, red's really not my color. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. He's got personality. Yeah. I like him. Okay. Yeah. Like it's not major, but it just was like, like, I just, I like the little, I like the little banter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's getting plus points. Yeah. He's getting plus points. Um, so yeah, so I don't know what his geographical situation is going to be when I get back. I'll, I'll probably text him today and ask. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I might've been tempted to be like, I'm gonna send the same pic to the publicist and be like, what you got? What you got boy? You know? Cause I think like getting a little flirty banter from Mr. Chaotic is making you be like, <clears throat> publicist. Where you at? Oh no, he doesn't really have social media, right? Publicist. He does. I don't think I don't think he we're not connected on it. Um, I don't think he's like a big I think he's more of a Twitter user. Oh, all right. Well, I guess we gotta post those pics on Twitter. Because <laughs> he's more in the like like Twitter, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Public policy, you know, that's not what he does. That's not what he does for a living, but he's into like news. that. Yeah. News, the news. That's what yes. Twitter is. Yes, he's into the news. He's into the news and he like he engages with like all of that sort of stuff on Twitter. Yeah, which by the way, I, I'm posting obviously any hot pics I got, right? Hilarious. I got a DM. It was like, you gotta tell us how many men are DMing you from these hot pics. Let me tell you something. Uh zero? Yeah. Pretty much zero. It's it's like two guys that already were sending those random DMs that are in the request folder. You know what I mean? But I was like, Yep, yeah, sadly zero. But you know what? I'm being hot. Oh, this is the new, it's the new phrase of the trip. Yes. We're, 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 I mean, plus I'm going with a bunch of women, right? Yep. Everybody's taking pics of each other, hyping each other up. Also directing, because I do not know how to fucking pose. It's so good. 
Uh, and I don't know if it was you that you were like, I don't know what to do. And I just was like, you're hot, Ellie. Just be hot. Be hot. You're hot. Be hot. Yeah. So it's our new phrase. Everyone just keeps being like, you're hot. Be hot. Just hype team all around. I love it. It's so good. We're going to make merch that says yeah. you're hot. Be hot. I'm not even kidding. Um, so yeah. Oh yeah. Also me with the DMS. I think it's two dudes that, uh, that have like fire emoji on like every story I've ever yeah, done. Exactly. exactly. So anyway, well, that reminds me that another person on the trip was talking about sending a picture like you know pictures of the trip and her or whatever to a guy that she's been talking to and she sent him this picture that he hadn't replied to yet of a donkey like we like saw a donkey up in the village we were in yesterday and all of us were coming up with our best banter reply if we received that picture and she was like Guys, we can't, we got to stop this because whatever he says now is going to be so much worse than what we crowdsourced in this group. Yeah, right? I know, but I love it. I love like all the little like girl talk time, honestly. Yeah, I wanted him, I wanted him to say, how'd you know I'm an ass man? Oh, that would have been perfect. I feel like the cheesy one would just be like, in the morning, I make a waffles, you know? What? Shrek. Oh, Shrek. I was like, I was like don't look at me like I'm crazy. I thought you were. <laughs> For a second, I thought you were. Yeah. So that that's all about me. What's What's going on with you? Um, honestly, I've been one fully just enjoying the vacation. I still have been in my take a break from apps mode. However, I did open my apps just to be like, what's it all about Greece? Oh, I didn't know you did that. Right. But heads up to use Bumble. You can't do a mile radius. And I think it's because the islands are so small. So you'll be getting people from numerous islands. Um, however, I still find it's an, actually an interesting way. You often will almost meet more Americans that are traveling abroad or Canadians like, like, because I guess Bumble is really not that popular out here, which is interesting. Um, especially the one girl from the Netherlands on the trip. She's she uses Tinder. She's like, oh, Tinder's where it's at. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so just a heads up. Uh, but really, I got to just kind of pack up my stuff to move more stuff to L.A. I got to ship my car for July. So I was going to give a shout out of like anyone who has moved cross country and specifically car shipping situation that you enjoyed. Please hit your girl up and let me know. Um, but yeah, honestly, I've kind of just. Sadly, I don't have much dating updates for everybody, but I've been just, let me live my life, be out free. Because have I talked about uh, that psychic I've done calls with or whatever? I think you've mentioned him because I also did a couple calls with him after you told me about him. Right. I don't know if I did publicly, but it's a fun thing I do once a year, maybe twice a year. Uh, if your girl's going through something, I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's kind of a fun whatever, because I like I don't give this man information. He just will be like, this is what I'm seeing. So interestingly... He did say something of, oh, I see you around June, July meeting someone. Oh, interesting. And then like kind of like oh, dating this person, being very into them, blah, blah, blah. He, Oh, I forget the description he gave me, which that always freaks me out. He'll give an actual description of what they look like. But but I almost feel like stuff with this has come true with him when I f actually forget it. When I fully forget he said anything about it. And then all of a sudden it happens. And I'm like, damn, like Eggs Benedict, he nailed. And it was creepy that he nailed it right didn't he nail like exactly what he looked like exactly what he looked like when i was gonna meet him he was corrective that i had met him before and knew him and hilarious that when he described him i was like that pretty much is my type and like i would totally try to fuck that guy right i would be aware if i knew that man <laughs> yeah very much i was like i'd be i wouldn't be on the phone with a psychic i'd be uh in that boy's dms i'd be fucking him right now right so hilarious of when i re-met him or whatever in my head i was like Oh, he was right. I know him. And then I was like, and I was also right that I already did try. <laughs> yeah, I forget. I forget the exact description. One time, though, he gave me a person and he said he's going to look like and he couldn't think of the name of the actor. And he just said the karate kid. Oh, my God. He's, like, he's going to be the karate kid. And I'm like, 
okay, I guess. And he was like, you know, dark haired, uh, actually funny, almost Greek like, but that was, I think, a year ago. So, hey, sometimes he's right, sometimes he's not. It's a little fun thing to do. Um, but yeah, overall, I've just been kind of, I've been more in the mode of let me just be out living my life. And if I meet someone, I meet someone. And it's been, it's been nice to have a break. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I love that. You're hot be hot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, anything I'm like, I'm racking up pics in Greece to re up my uh, dating profile. All of our dating app profiles are going to look bomb after this trip. And we were joking that it's good that most of us live in different cities because they're all going to have the same backgrounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, um, I've been I've been leaning into the matchmaker Maria green and blue and loving it. And obviously you're in Greece. It's like everything's blue, white, so beautiful. You're like, I want to be blue. I want to I be, you know, matching this door and whatever. I don't know. It's been lovely. Um, So we recorded with the guest before we left to have for this episode. And she's your friend. Yes. Yeah, so Ella Dawson, uh, if you're part of the herpes crew, you probably know who she is. She's got a great TED talk about herpes. And that was like one of the first things I found when I got diagnosed. And so I've had her uh, on my other part before. And now we're like buds. I always love talking to Ella because she's written about herpes for years and blogged about it for years that she's so well-spoken on it. I, her advice really helped me when I was diagnosed. So I loved having her on. She's again, one of those people you could talk to forever. Uh, but she has really, really sound advice and I just love her attitude towards it. And it really helped me accept my own diagnosis and be very like, this is not a bad thing. And you know, the biggest thing I feel like I've taken from her is like, Hey, me giving, telling you I have herpes is a compliment because it means I want to have sex with you. So that's what a nice thing for me to do of not only letting you know, but I'm like, Hey, you're in. How, how cool for you. How cool for you right now. Oh, great for you. You got the green light, baby. You know, like I kind of see it more like that and it's totally helped me. Yeah. And I, so for those of you out there who don't have herpes and are thinking maybe this won't, you know, be relevant or, you know, you're thinking about maybe, maybe skipping. I was actually, I was excited to talk to her just in general because she's your friend and, you know, and I really enjoyed when we had you on the pod to talk about herpes originally. I really loved one, the perspective of like, okay, what happens if someone discloses this to me, herpes or something else? Because like, I think a lot of her advice really relates to a lot of different things. And we talk a lot about herpes, of course. We also talked about a lot of other different things that people might be going through or that I've gone through in the past. Especially with like doctors and dealing with diagnoses from diagnoses. What's the word? Diagnoses. I'm I'm good. Uh, You know, with doctors and and also advocating for yourself is a big part of it too. Yeah. So, so I highly encourage everyone to listen. It was such a good conversation. And without further ado, let's get to Ella. Let's do it. Enjoy. Listen up, guys. If you haven't heard yet, we're coming to the DC Comedy Loft for another live podcast Thursday, March 21st. Get your tickets. We are, I think, over halfway sold out already. Well over halfway sold out. So get your tickets. If you want to come experience some magic live, we want to meet you. We want to talk to you. We're going to have so much fun. And it's also Allie's birthday that week. It is my birthday that week. So, and my mom might be there. I'm excited. You can go to findingmrhyde.com slash live to find an easy link also in our bios to get those tickets. And we are going to have an after party afterwards where we can really meet and greet, talk to everybody somewhere in the area. Yeah. So make sure you come DC Comedy Loft Thursday, March 21st. And if you want to check out some stand up, I'm going to be there all weekend. So Friday and that Saturday, I'll be doing stand up shows. Start swiping on Hinge, bring a date, have a good time. And You'll, you can come and meet Allie's mom, which we still have some spots left on our Portugal trip. And a little update on that. A few of you reached out to us about, hey, I want to come either, unfortunately, I don't have my mom anymore, or I want to come with my aunt. I want to come with my sister. I just want to come with a friend. 
The trip is officially open to anybody that would like to come, as long as you don't mind. Half the trip being moms and daughter combos. Everybody's excited to come. Doesn't matter. You are welcome to join. Travel with us. It's going to be so, so fun. You can also check that out at findingmrheight.com slash podcast. If you have any questions about it, feel free to reach out. We're happy to answer anything. We're just so excited to be there with our moms and with you. Yep. Next October, October 4th through 10th. Check it out. Come travel with us too. We're back with Ella. Hi, Ella. Welcome to Finding Mr. Hyde, the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to have you. You're you're one of my favorite people, obviously, because you're like the most famous herpes person I know. <laughs> and- <laughs> Thank you. That is high praise. What an achievement for me. Yeah. But truly, I, I feel like most people like myself, upon getting herpes, you do a Google, you come across your TED Talk, which is phenomenal. So if anyone has not seen that, whether you have herpes or don't, it's great. It's wonderful, educational, funny. It made me fall in love with you. So I'm a little bit of a fangirl here today on the podcast. Oh, thank you. And my herpes just turned 10 a few weeks ago. So oh, happy birthday to herpes. <laughs> yes, happy birthday. <laughs> what a milestone. Wow. What'd you guys do to celebrate? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember, which was honestly kind of cathartic. I used to like get candles and do a whole thing and this year I was like you know this feels pretty anticlimactic it finally feels normal I'm just gonna any other day yeah I'm just gonna play roller coaster tycoon and <gasps> eat Dunkin Donuts and that's what I'm I did s- I assume. I'm sorry roller coaster tycoon still exists I am playing it on my like 2012 laptop because it is so old that the new Macs no longer support it oh, so I'm channeling so my teen self well they're it's yeah, it's it's a set. We could talk about that for a while. <laughs> Sidebar, yeah. You guys thought you were tuning into a herpes episode, but psych. <laughs> this is about that roller is coaster tycoon. I did love that game as well. Great game. Oh my god, it was so good. It's very anyway. soothing. <laughs> so you've had herpes for ten years. Uh, I feel like we should get the million dollar question out of the way first. This is the number one question I get from people, and I know you write about this stuff a lot or have in the past. So basically. You have herpes. How should you tell a potential partner that you have herpes? Yeah, disclosure and talking about herpes is something that really freaks people out, Uh, especially when you're newly diagnosed. It's this impossible to imagine conversation because we haven't really been taught how to talk about STIs in a non upsetting manner. Like I think a lot of us had the same sexual education where you are told you have to avoid STIs and if you don't, you are doomed. And so there's no real playbook for any of us when we get diagnosed on how to approach that conversation. And a lot of people will approach it from this place of humiliation and fear of rejection and expecting a no. And I think that's very normal because, again, we're not taught that STIs are very common. Um, But it is also a great way to set yourself up for a world of harm when you go in with that mindset. Um, I'm not like a mindset person. I'm not the type of like I'm not I'm not a woo woo type of mindset is the best thing um so when i say that i promise i'm (laughs) i'm not bullshitting anyone not that there's anything wrong with mindset etc but erica's in la now she's got crystals and shit (laughs) no i don't i don't yet i don't yet (laughs) but i you during our patreon recording yeah i was at my cousin's house and she's from here so (laughs) that wasn't me but that's okay. very West Coast. There's no shame. And yeah. mindsets can be very helpful for, for people. Yes, uh, totally. It was but I agree with you, me. Ella. Yeah. I'm not woo-woo either. 
(laughs) It was hard for me to get in that headspace of this is very much a mindset thing because I was Mm -hmm. like, that's silly. This is something that people should be good about. I was very injustice focused when I got herpes and very mad about the stigma. Now I try to embrace the mindset and start those conversations around disclosure with a sense of this is a very normal thing. I do not need to apologize for having an STI. They are very common. It, it says nothing about me as a character, as a person. And I, if this person reacts in a way that doesn't align with my values and what I expect in a romantic partner, then I'm actually going to reject them. It's not them rejecting me if this conversation goes south. And I think there are many different ways to disclose. It depends on your personality type, your comfort level, what type of connection you're looking for, if this is a more casual sexual encounter or a relationship. But at the end of the day, I think don't apologize. Don't frame it as this big horrifying secret you're sharing. It's a pretty normal thing. It has no reflection on whether or not you're worth being with. And be clear in what you're saying. You know, you don't, I think a lot of folks will get squicked out about the word herpes and cling to things like HSV, which I get, I've been there. But if you just say, hey, I have herpes, I have been asymptomatic or I have symptoms in this way, these are ways that we could prevent transmission. There's a risk, but it's pretty common. You might already have it. That's all you really have to share. You don't have to tell a sob story. You don't have to justify the fact that you have it. Just stick to the basics. And beyond that, you can see with the person what you decide you want to talk about. But yeah, it's 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 so scary and unthinkable to have that conversation. And now that I've had herpes for 10 years, I'm like, oh, yeah, I literally (laughs) I talk about it so often that it's I, I forget that it can be so scary for folks. So I hope I don't sound flippant at all. But no, I think yeah. I, for me, I think that could feel really hopeful mm-hmm. that somebody who is currently thinking about it being really overwhelming, like you said, is like you on the other side of that, I imagine would be really hopeful. I hope so. I mean, I, I having had it for 10 years, it's almost funny how little I think about it anymore. Um, I've been in a relationship for a year and a half and we're non-monogamous. So it's more like it's my partner does more disclosing than I do because when he dates other folks, he talks about it with them to let them know I am seeing someone who has herpes. Um, I'm not on the dating market all that often just because I'm lazy, but (laughs) I so rarely find myself in a situation where I have to disclose anymore because most people already know (laughs) who are in my life because of becoming accidentally internet famous for it. Um, Ah. So it is like disclosing is so whatever to me because by the time I'm on a date with someone, they probably have already figured it out Um, and that weeds out a lot of things. But I, yeah, it's, it does over time. You just, I think the stigma wears off ideally. And I, there, there is hope (laughs) when you're in the midst of it. It does, it does get better. That shame does wear off. I think over time. Did you have any like trial and error as you sort of got to your current disclosure method, assuming the person doesn't already know and hasn't been able to Google you? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. In the beginning, I was very hung up on making it clear that I did everything right and I still got herpes. I was very hung up on bucking the stereotypes and assumptions that people make. And ultimately, I think it's so frustrating because, yes, I got herpes from someone I adored, but 
it doesn't really matter how somebody gets herpes. I don't really care if you get it on a one night stand or from having like a a hoe era or whatever it might be. Like it doesn't it's not something that is a consequence. It is not something that is a failure. It is very normal and you can get it in a number of different ways. And when I was first disclosing, I would wind up launching into this whole story of like, I was in love with this person and he was unfaithful and I didn't know and he was super abusive and all of that was true. And it was part of my herpes story, but I didn't need to tell anyone that information in order for them to think it was okay to date me. You know, like that, right. I, I shouldn't have to justify an illness that I have or a virus that I have in my body. I We don't do that when it comes to things like chicken pox or mono. We don't need to justify that we have this in our bodies. So that was something that I used to do. It wound up being a great way to overwhelm whoever I was speaking to <laughs> because there's suddenly a lot more to talk about than just a virus. It's like, oh, you you are recovering from dating a narcissist and you, I did not have much emotional regulation because I was 23. Like over time I've realized it's, you can just stick to the necessary details and with time you can share more than that if you want to. But I was a big oversharer for most of my twenties. Yeah. Honesty and full disclosure are not the same thing. Mm -hmm. No, you don't owe anyone the whole backstory. Like I love when people will ask me, well, how did you get, herpes and i now i just say well i had sex so i love that like how do you think i got it yeah i wasn't white water rafting like yeah what are you asking me right but you know it's natural for people to be nosy or also not even know what questions to ask you reveal it to them you know people are always worried about their reaction to the reveal right whether it's a friend or someone you're dating um i'm curious Someone recently actually messaged me about this of being in the scenario that you tell someone their answer is not a no, but they're still on the fence. But in that process, they're still communicating with you. They're kind of going back and forth of, you know, I do really like you. I am really interested, but I'm so, but I am still afraid to get it. And kind of this on the fence back and forth, I guess, what advice would you have for someone in that situation? Cause I feel like, it's like a dangling the carrot right in front of you where you're like, okay, it's not a no, but it's killing me to fight to make this a yes. You know, like I shouldn't have to bend over backwards for the yes, but like to convince I've got a message. Person. Yes, exactly. That's how it feels. So I guess yeah. people in that scenario, and I think most of us with herpes have been at some point. Um, what, what advice would you say to that person? I think you're exactly right that you shouldn't have to convince anyone to be with you. You shouldn't have to convince anyone that you're worth a risk. Like you either Mm -hmm. like me or you don't. And somebody who waffles like that and keeps you on the edge for a while, it's probably not the type of person you want to be with because they should be excited by the honor of dating you and getting to know you. It's normal to be anxious. It's normal to be nervous, but I don't think it should take very long to make that decision. Like, sure, go home, sleep on it, do some Googling, maybe email your doctor if you have to, but (laughs) grow up, either yes or no. (laughs) I don't, I used to be very sympathetic to people who were not sure and figuring it out and doing some research. And I think that everybody has the right to make an informed choice and to sit with that of, do I want to, do I want to go there with someone? Do I want to open myself up to that risk? But 
it's it's so hurtful to put someone mm. in that position of waiting to know am i good enough am i better than just this virus like that sucks that is so disrespectful so if somebody is is putting you on the bench and making you wait for an answer fuck them fine you get to be like actually you know what you blew it with me you made me feel like shit about this thing that is not a big deal and i'm gonna go find someone else who's not so much of a coward personally i mean that kind of goes with we a while back talked about different dating theories and one of them being if it's not a fuck yes it's a no and while we talked about how that doesn't apply in all scenarios like this is one of them like if somebody is is waffling on whether or not they like you or want to continue to date you absolutely not Absolutely. And I've I've had many relationships since getting herpes. It's been a decade. And the people who waffled were never worth it in the long run. They were never worth it. They were worried about what other people would think. They were super nervous about whether or not they could trust me. Like you, if you date someone with herpes, you have to say, okay, I trust that you'll communicate with me about outbreaks or risks or times when we need to not have sex. And that's that's part of the deal that you make is like, I'm consenting to this and I'm putting my faith in you that that we can navigate this. And it's just if someone isn't super into it and willing to trust you, there's going to be other issues too. So scrap them. You can find better. Yeah. I mean, if anything, it's like I'm trying to put myself in the position of being disclosed too because I haven't been, you know, in the opposite one. If I'm sitting across from this person who is giving me that trust with this information and also already being so upfront and communicative, I sure as hell trust that that person is going to communicate with me not only about potential issues with their herpes, but also other things that might come up versus somebody that maybe hasn't had to have those types of hard conversations and say something to somebody that they might not want to hear. That person has had so much more practice with it. Yeah. Again, it goes back to mindset of if I'm disclosing my herpes status, I'm actually displaying character. I'm displaying yes. that I care about this person's body, their ability to make choices for who they are and what's best for them, even when it puts me in a vulnerable position and it makes me feel nervous. And if someone is disclosing to you, they're they are doing you a service. They are honoring you as a potential partner. And it's it's an act of generosity and courage. And I just, I agree. You know, when people disclose things to me, I'm like, wait, this is, this rules. Thank you. Like you're taking yeah. me seriously. You're seeing me as a human being. Thank you for sharing that with me. I'm going to digest it a little bit and then I'll get back to you. Oh, the biggest, the biggest green flag in disclosing is when someone looks at you and says, thank you so much for telling me that. I know that's not easy for you to do. As we know, you know, I got it from yeah, someone that didn't star. tell me. So it's like, there's plenty of people just being quiet about this and not talking about it. So anytime someone reveals something that's hard to say is like, thank them. It's <laughs> the number one thing is thank them. Absolutely. They were being vulnerable. They were being open with you. Like, thank them for that. Absolutely. Recognize that. Um, now, on kind of the same level, I'm curious, have you ever had partners that were okay with you having herpes and you guys start having sex? but then you feel like they never really are getting comfortable with it still. I've had instances where I've dated folks who then panicked when I said, oh, I think I might be having an outbreak. Um, and sometimes that's coming from a place of fear that they might have been exposed to the virus. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's coming from a place of I was fine with this in the abstract, but now that it's an actual reality, I'm kind of freaking out. And 
usually those people get over it and are fine. But having an outbreak is such a vulnerable experience, potentially triggering if your diagnosis process was unpleasant. I think it is for all of us. It's very traumatizing to Mm -hmm. have a first herpes outbreak. And so when I've had partners who balk in that moment, I've honestly been pretty strict of like this, I feel like shit right now and you're making me feel worse and I need you to just get over it (laughs) and process your feelings of fear on your own because I can't make you feel better right now. I need you to support me. And it's taken Mm -hmm. me a while to get to that place. It's also taken having partners who are legitimately good about it to realize, oh, it's okay for me to expect people to be generous and supportive in this moment. Um, But I, yeah, that's, that's been something that I've come across. The other thing is just that sometimes people think that it's, it'll be fine to date someone who's famous for having herpes (laughs) and then (laughs) realize, oh, wait, this is actually something I struggle with. Um, I've had a partner for a long time who in the beginning had been very supportive and showed up on our first date and was like, I just watched your TEDx talk on the subway. And I was like, oh, this is so great. They think I'm impressive. And then they wound up being such an unsupportive jerk about it in the long run because they would be embarrassed when it came up in parties or they would talk about how it was a foolhardy thing to try to fight herpes stigma. Like men, I think it's mostly cis men, get really weird around you having had a sex life before dating them sometimes. Mm -hmm. And the idea of you being someone who is also successful and recognized for something. <laughs> like I think that had there was a bit there's of herpes a, there's a cross stigma section in that. here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there was a bit of herpes stigma in that, but also just some classic male entitlement issues going on. Um but yeah, my dating life has been very strange and I could go on a lot of tangents <laughs> about things that have happened because of my herpes writing. But that is that is the relevant part of my answer. Yeah. It's just hard because with everything in life, you need to give people a little bit of grace, especially Mm -hmm. if in this example, you're the first person with herpes they have dated. It's like, yes, there is, there is a period of time that I understand and you're getting comfortable, but also I'm a person and I kind of have a time limit on, okay, now this really is bothering me. Like I gave you the grace. It's clearly an issue. I don't think it's going to work for me essentially. Cause I've been in that space more specifically of I was dating someone, they would sleep with me, but they would never go down on me. And I brought it up like, hey, is this because I have herpes or just something you don't do? And he said like, no, I, I do do it. I, like it kind of gave me this roundabout excuse where ultimately the conclusion was it's because I have herpes. And I even had mm-hmm. to weirdly console him if I said, that is okay if that's the true answer. I want the true answer, but it isn't going to work for me in the long run. And that's also okay. Like, but I feel like there's a lot of people in that spot kind of it's more like accepting sex that is not great and kind of feeling like, oh, I should be so lucky that this person is even having sex with me because I have herpes. And that's a mindset that it actually took me a very long time to get out of because I very much just felt like, oh, thank God this person's OK with it. Um, do you have any advice that kind of helped you? I don't know if you ever felt that way. I don't want to put that feeling on you. But have you ever felt that way, I guess? I've been nodding. I've been nodding vigorously for the people listening. <laughs> You're like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's absolutely true that we need to grant people grace because this is a topic that a lot of folks are ignorant about for no fault of their own. Our sex education system is busted. Our doctors don't really do a good job of informing us about STIs either because it's it's the regulations are so strange around STI testing. So 
we do need to be patient with folks, give them the opportunity to learn. But the moment that our partners start to dehumanize us or make us feel ashamed of ourselves or lucky to have them around, that's where you start to have a problem. Like people mm-hmm. need to have time to adjust. People need to have time to figure out their feelings. That's fine. Doesn't mean you can be nasty to the person that you're dating. Doesn't mean that you can make them feel undesirable or diseased. Like at the end of the day, you have to be kind and you can have your doubts and hesitations. But if you're not being kind to your partner, that needs to be a deal breaker. And something that I write about a lot these days is the connection between STIs and STI stigma and abusive relationships, because I think Mm. that a lot of folks who get STIs become very vulnerable to these relationships where we're not treated well, because we think that we're so lucky that anyone wants to date us or sleep with us at all. And so we will settle with behavior that we might not have thought that we deserved before, that we might have been more empowered to speak up about before, because now we feel like we're kind of damaged goods and that yeah. our our ability to demand better is now gone. And it's certainly an experience that I've had, that a lot of my friends have had, and it sucks. And because there are these twin stigmas of STIs and relationship abuse, it's very difficult for people to talk about that too. Um, so I think that not everyone who doesn't want to have sex with you or go down with you is necessarily abusive, but it's difficult to advocate for yourself in those relationships when your needs aren't being met or you're wondering if someone isn't that into you because we've been taught that we don't deserve the best because of this virus. And it's really troubling and sad. And part of the reason why I've been kind of a tough bitch about like, you deserve the best. No one gets to do anything that makes you feel less than is because I've seen how that thought process will continue to play out. And you need to be vigilant about not letting people treat you like shit. Even if you still think that you deserve it because you're struggling with stigma, you have to be hyper aware of I am not going to settle for anybody who treats me in a way that doesn't make me feel excited to see them and good about myself and like I'm glowing and improving with them. That still is the standard. It should be the standard. I'm very lucky that I've been able to date amazing people and grow over the last 10 years, but it took a really long time for me to fully embody that spirit of no, I am not going to settle for anything less than someone adoring me because, sure, I have herpes, I have PTSD, I, I have depression. There, th- there are issues that I have, but I'm also extremely fun and cool and ambitious. And, oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, I deserve someone who's going to go down on me and be incredible and know that this is a risk they would be facing with anyone they're having sex with because herpes is incredibly common. Like, what a silly reason to not engage in this type of pleasure and mutual generosity that's my rant i, I love, love it. it i'm like keep going yeah go go, go. tell him tell him <laughs> have you felt like the stigma and, and sort of the reactions that you've gotten have evolved and hopefully gotten better over the years or like I know it might be a little hard for you to know because now like you said a lot of people already know for you but maybe as you talk to people in the community like do you think that's developing 
I don't know if the stigma itself has changed very much. Um, we still see the same jokes in pop culture. It's still there's still very little representation about it. Uh, but I do think that social media has helped a lot. It's easier for people who get diagnosed with herpes to find role models and community than it ever has been before. Um, I think there are also people being served herpes content more than ever. I think TikTok has been a huge gift in that the algorithm will just push stuff in front of you. And so you're more likely to come across stuff. Even if you yourself are not dealing with herpes in any way, you might get served a video by an advocate. So I think that's been helpful. Um, I know for me personally, it's gotten a lot easier because when you're 21 or 22 and you're dating other people that age, people are pretty dumb. <laughs> like, yeah, you haven't I was had definitely the pretty dumb. <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. haven't had the life experience of realizing that STIs are really common. It's not a death wish. Like, you just don't know well enough. And so the people I was disclosing to when I was in my early 20s just were little little baby deer. Like, they just <laughs> looked at me like, what? And now that I'm in my 30s and dating folks who are in their 30s and up, like, we've been around the block. We know that herpes is more common. We're there's more conversation about it. It's gotten a lot easier to have those conversations because people are like, oh, yeah, I've dated someone or, oh, yeah, I have that or, oh, yeah, my my I get cold sores. Like there's just there's a bit more maturity and knowledge. And so I get a lot of messages from like freaked out teenagers and people in college who are like, this is horrible. It's never going to get better. And it will for no other reason than people who are that young just have no idea what's going on when it comes in to general. dating and sex. Yeah, just in general. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, it's, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Of, I, I was 100% the person in my early 20s or young and before I had herpes that if you asked me, would you date someone that had herpes? I would absolutely have said no. I would have said, nope, deal breaker. And it's partly because I had this mentality and it becomes from being young and invincible of, oh, I do everything right. I don't have an STI because I do everything right. And I use protection and this and this and this. And I behave a certain way. So I'm rewarded with not having herpes, quote unquote. And it definitely was the most eye-opening for me of, I got it. Like I was that kid doing everything right and being super safe and asking all my partners, have they been tested? When's the last time you've been tested? And I still like got bit by the bug per se. Um, and I think a lot of times when we're young and invincible, it's like you've never had that experience of feeling like I worked so hard, I did everything right, and something ultimately didn't go my way, like in general in life. A lot of people don't have that till their 30s, where they're sitting there being like, damn, I've been busting yeah. my ass since college, and I make X amount of money still, or I still have roommates, or whatever the thing is that makes you realize like, oh yeah, sometimes shit just happens, and it wasn't anything to your fault, you know? Yeah, shit happens and it makes no sense. And sometimes it's not part of some grand story. It just sometimes it just things go off the rails. Things get weird. It's very random. And herpes is like that. A lot of stuff is like that. A friend passing away is like that. Mm -hmm. Getting laid off is like that. It's the random lottery of life being garbage. <laughs> But yeah. you can you can deal with it. You can come back from it. Herpes in the grand scheme of things, pretty insignificant. Like it's for most folks who have herpes, it's an annoyance as opposed to a real life changer. It's mostly a mental thing that you need to move past. 
And maintaining that perspective is huge. Herpes was devastating to me when I got it because I hadn't really had anything bad happen in my life because I was a Mm -hmm. super privileged, sheltered little white girl from Connecticut. And I hadn't really, I didn't have that sense of perspective of other bad things are going to happen and it'll be okay. And this specifically Mm -hmm. is not that big of a deal. There are going to be worse things that will happen. (laughs) But yeah. yeah. (laughs) You mentioned earlier, Ella, the sort of, medical industry and how, you know, like testing has has really had an impact. And can you talk more about that of, you know, what you mean by by that impact? Yeah. Herpes testing is very strange. Uh, I've fallen behind a bit on the science. I think the CDC recently reissued some guidelines on it. But herpes testing is expensive and not always the most reliable. And it's not recommended by doctors that you get tested if you aren't showing symptoms or very likely to have it because there's a chance you'll get a false positive or a false negative. And the psychological impact of a diagnosis can be so intense that doctors are kind of like, you might be better off not knowing if you are asymptomatic because just be happy in your ignorance. Yeah. <laughs> so I think folks assume that they would know if they have herpes because they're getting tested for STIs regularly but they're not actually being tested for herpes. If you pee in a cup, that's not going to include a, include a herpes test. A herpes test has to be a blood draw and it has or it's a direct culture swab taken from a potential outbreak. So, I think it's important for people to know what they have and haven't been tested for. And I don't know how I feel about if everybody should be getting herpes testing all the time considering it is weirdly unreliable and expensive. Uh, It's not feasible for everyone to be getting tested for herpes constantly, but I think it's important to know if you have been tested for herpes. Um, I think it's, it's, we should normalize in those conversations about have you been tested, et cetera, talking about what you've been tested for. Cause you shouldn't just say I'm negative across the board. It's like, you really don't know. You've probably been tested for chlamydia and gonorrhea and a few other things. So that misnomer about STI testing can cause a lot of pain. And it also feeds into the myth that people who get STIs like herpes are lying. You might genuinely not know that you have herpes, but think that you know your status because you haven't had a real conversation with your doctor about what am I actually being tested for in this moment? And so that just, it creates so much pain and grief the way that we approach herpes testing. And it's frustrating. And I don't know a solution for it. I'm not a scientist. My medical literacy is quite low. But <laughs> it is it is very annoying. And herpes tests themselves are just really strange. Like I've gone in to get blood draws done. And I've had a doctor tell me I don't have herpes because the antibodies in my blood were low. And I was like, bud, that ship has sailed. You're like, like, I do. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. you can Google me. Even if I don't have herpes, <laughs> I do have herpes. Like, this the is the internet is a better test than the one that you have administered. Yeah. yeah. And I'm it a fraud. just <laughs> it just struck me. I was like, that is bonkers that you're telling me I don't have herpes when I've had outbreaks. Like that's just it's such a confusing testing thing to me. Mm. I wish he'd been able to explain to me oh, that must mean that the antibody count is XYZ. Instead, he was just like, no, I think you're wrong, actually. I don't think you've ever had herpes. And I was like, I'm never seeing you again as a doctor. Um, That's like, uh, I've had a new doctor look at my stuff, my blood work from past doctors, Mm -hmm. and I've asked for a Valtrex prescription, and I keep it, I just keep it for emergencies. I actually don't Mm -hmm. take it every day. And they always look at me and go, you have type 1. 
what do you, you don't need Valtrex for that. That's oral herpes. And I have to explain to the doctor, like, well, you can get it in either place. And I've had outbreaks. So mine is on my vagina. So that's what it's for. You're, oh, you're so now confused. explaining how yeah. herpes works to your doctor. Yeah, because it's there's no, I don't know, there's not really any herpes specialist. You know what I mean? Like, I've had that convo <laughs> with a gyno and like a primary care where, you know, they have to learn so much. They have to know so much. And the herpes day is like five seconds because the main thing they learn is it is not harmful to their health. And it's like, move on. Like, it, 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 there are so many things that are more important than herpes and actually herpes, detrimental to your herpes health. Day. But, <laughs> but literally, it's it's almost similar to us in school. They're like, here's STI day, and they just do a quick rundown of like herpes is forever. You got to get a shot for chlamydia and gonorrhea, and like <laughs> like they basically just tell you how to take care of it, and that's kind of it, you know. I've been making so many angry faces. Yeah, your Ella's is- like <laughs> explode, like steam coming out of her ears on the video. <laughs> Uh, oh my god the myth that so there are two strains of herpes that primarily affect human beings that we think of as herpes and hsv1 and hsv2 are the strain names hsv1 we associate it with oral herpes but you can have it in either location and hsv2 is usually genital and is like usually considered like a stronger strain but it's herpes does wacky stuff in your body. Like her, every case of herpes is different. You can also live in other random places in your body. I have a friend who has outbreaks in her elbow. I like it's it's weird. I know and somebody who gets them on the side of her arm. Yeah, it's a weird. Yeah, I know skin a wrestler condition. that got it from a wrestling tournament, like on the back of their neck or something. Herpes gladiatorum. Some, yeah. Yeah, something, some open it's, cut or something. It's a really weird virus, and it's so frustrating to hear that even within the medical profession, there are these assumptions being made that are fundamentally incorrect, and then continue that stigma. I've had doctors tell me, oh, you don't need to disclose. It's not that important. You're not really putting anybody at risk. And I'm like, ma'am, I had a herpes outbreak a month ago. Like, what the hell are you talking about? I Like, mm-hmm. there are so many assumptions, and because I think – so often the goal is to just make a patient feel better. They will lean into the myth of, oh, the right person who loves you won't care or, oh, you don't really have to disclose because you're not likely to transmit. And that actually does even more harm because you're encouraging your patients to lie by omission or to think that, oh, I just need to wait until my one true love comes along and they'll they'll accept me. Like, it's just the weird stuff I've heard from doctors has been so frustrating. And I think herpes is one of those viruses where you have to educate yourself and learn so much about the science of herpes in order to advocate for yourself with your doctor and also to just know what is going on with your body. And that's so frustrating because it is one of the most common viruses. Like, it's not some obscure illness that only impacts a small percentage of the population. Like, Two and three people in the world have HSV-1, whether they have symptoms or not. Two and three, like that's the vast majority of people. And yet we, most people don't know anything about it. It's, it is so bizarre to me. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Yeah. Thanks. I hate it. Bad. It's also so, it's so rare of anyone that's talked to me about having herpes and their diagnosis. I feel like everyone across the board said they did not like how it was disclosed to them or what the doctor said to them afterwards because the 99% of doctors will literally look at you crying, being like, hey, this isn't something to cry about. It's not a big deal. And I remember looking at my doctor and saying, oh, do you have herpes? And they said, no. 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, so you don't get it, right? You know, like, and there was no, I felt there was no empathy or sympathy about it. They just kept being like, look, the medical facts say, and it's like, I need you to be a person right now, a little more of a person, yeah. less of a medical textbook, because I'm freaking out, obviously. And I was amazed they didn't yeah. even like hand me a list of references or even like your TED talk to look up. Like no one gave me anything about it specifically. And I felt that was even more frustrating because it's one thing to really not have the solution, but it's another thing to not even be able to point someone in a direction of something that could make them feel better or less alone in that way. Yeah, I think that there's a weird empathy disconnect. Like, I think that it is ultimately a good thing for your doctor to be like, I'm diagnosing you with herpes. It's not a big deal. But you have to have space for the fact that it is a big deal. Like, it is psychologically mm -hmm, right. a big deal, even if medically it's not a big deal. And you need to help someone. I, I really wish that doctors, and some of them do, would say to patients, hey, I have some complicated news. This is going to seem really scary but I need you to stay with me while I tell you this. Like you have mm -hmm. herpes, it's very common. Here are the ways you can manage it. If you're not hearing me right now because you're super upset, I'm gonna follow up with you with an email with all this information that you can read when you're more in the headspace for it. Um, I have heard from a few, I've, I've gone to a bunch of doctors over the years who've been like, Wait, you're that herpes girl. I send you to talk to patients. <laughs> oh, they send it. That's amazing. Yeah, That's so and great. I'm like, that is the best to me because I'm like, thank God someone is getting a a doctor who's like, oh yeah, this is a weird thing. I'm going to give you a resource, and I I would kill to have gotten resources like that when I was diagnosed. Like, here are some people who have herpes talking about what it's like, as opposed to a pamphlet that has some like stock photography and some percentages. Like. Give me a human being who's going to have a sense of humor and talk about it. I like now when I have friends who get diagnosed who come to me, I'm like, here are five podcasts I recommend you listen to from people with very different perspectives who mm. will you will see yourself in them and it'll give you some hope. I didn't actually know until I talked to Erica for the first time. I didn't know that I had never been tested for herpes. I just assumed that it was part of the STI panel that I get every year. Why would it not no be? Idea. Why would <laughs> it know? not be? Right. Yeah. Like why? Like it's because if, if I had to list off the top of my head, if I had to like list five STIs randomly, it would certainly be one of the ones that I listed. Mm -hmm. And yet I had never been tested for it and had absolutely no idea. Yeah. A lot of folks who are very conscientious partners who take care of their health, care about their health, want to do things by the book and be the best sexual partner, sexual person they can be and are trying to do the right thing, just don't know that herpes tests are not part of the package. And it's so it's such a bummer <laughs> because I think we all want to be good sexual citizens and there's we're not being told how to be good sexual citizens when it comes to herpes and when it comes to things like HIV AIDS. Like it's not as simple for herpes at least as just wear a condom and get tested. Like that's right. That's really not useful <laughs> guidance whatsoever. And that's that's a failure of our education system and our medical system, in yeah. my opinion. No, I totally agree. I mean, similar but different. I was diagnosed with HPV when I was 31, maybe. It was like the first pap that I had after I turned 30. And in that moment, my gynecologist told me that I may have had it all my life because Oftentimes that is not a screening that they do before 30 or after, yeah, before 30. And I had the vaccine when I was in college. So it is very likely that I have had it 
for a very long time because I had the vaccine before I ever had sex. And mm. my mom had cervical cancer, so there's like his- history. So like it was an, a, a thing. Mm-hmm. And I had never been tested for it. It's such a terrifying thing to realize because it makes mm-hmm. you feel so disempowered. You're yeah. like, I thought that I was doing everything right. I thought that I was being assertive and proactive when it came to my health. And I did not know what options I had. I did not know what I was not being tested for. Like, it's it's a very scary moment. Uh, and it's so avoidable. And I just, it's worth just holding space for like getting diagnosed with something sucks, even Mm -hmm. if it's a minor thing, because you feel like you've lost control of your own body and you've been robbed of an opportunity to make informed choices for yourself. And that, that sticks with you. Like that's part of the trauma of a diagnosis is like, my body is the thing that I feel like I have the most ownership of. And the world threw me something and I couldn't protect myself from it because I hadn't been taught how to. Like that is very disturbing. And that once you have that experience, it's just like, oh, (laughs) it changes the way you navigate the world, I think. Even my boyfriend at the time was was a doctor, probably still is. And and when I told him because I had just gotten it, he was like, oh yeah, that's not a big deal. I just like kept doing whatever he was doing. And I'm like, I Okay, but like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Hold I'm on. out. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's gone now. Like, it's, it's been several paps and it's gone. But so it turned out to not be. But like, that was a a big thing for me at the time. And, you know, so I can only imagine how that feels for something that won't go away. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, I've, I've had friends call me being you know, very upset and nervous that their pap came back abnormal and yeah. they have to go back and, and they start having that thought in their head of, you know, a lot of times it is the HPV of what if I have an HPV that can give me cervical cancer and all this stuff. And they've talked to me about it. Then all of a sudden they apologize. Like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I forgot you have herpes. And I'm sitting there like, don't apologize. Like they're both very hard things to get diagnosed for. And even as someone with herpes, I wouldn't be in your shoes being like, well, you know, it's not herpes though so it's not as bad like why are we even talking about this (laughs) yeah i'm like if anything hpv actually is it should be scarier than having herpes because i can have herpes all day every day and my health isn't affected right where you know hpv actually it's not that it isn't taken seriously but i feel like it's just more widely accepted that people make that joke off the cuff of like oh god i've heard so many comedians be like you know i've been with so-and-so for eight years now, but don't worry, I still have HPV. Like, don't worry, I'm still cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like if I say that about herpes, people are like, oh. They're like, <laughs> I think even John Mulaney has a joke about HPV at one point about like, I got HPV in college or something. I think it's John Mulaney. And it's so, I remember those were like the pre- John Mulaney pivot days when he was still very wholesome. The before times. The, yeah. Yes. And yeah, HPV and HPV stigma are so funny because it is like, I think especially for folks who are younger because of the vaccine, it's treated as more of like a, the stigma is just different. It's yeah. not as much mm-hmm. of like, you're a slut. And so you got herpes and HPV. Like there's a different twist yeah, it's funny to that it. it. I feel like it's almost looked at like you got HPV, but like, that's not on you. That's, that's, you know, really hard to prevent, but herpes is looked at like, what the fuck did you do? Why, why yeah, didn't you prevent totally this? Totally true. 
Yeah, it's odd. And I'm very aware that I don't have HPV, so (laughs) I'm not the expert. But like, I remember when I got diagnosed, Girls was like one of the few shows that had an STI plot line where Hannah gets HPV. And then like, they forget about it for the rest of the show, which is kind of a bummer. (laughs) But I remember being so grateful for, for that even existing at the time. And I think about like how far we've come in understanding HPV in terms of like who can get tested for it, what tests are available. Like it's, it's less of a mystery than herpes and that while still being, I don't know, it's not easy or fun to get HPV, (laughs) but it's an, it's interesting to, to compare the two. Yeah. It was resonating with me a lot when you were talking about the bedside manner of the doctor being like, this isn't a big deal because my boyfriend did that, but also, so because of my history and then also some abnormal things, I had to do not only the colposcopy, but then also a leap, which is like where they actually have to burn stuff. It was bad. Um, And also that boyfriend broke up with me one week prior to it and he was supposed to be the one that picked me up from it. It was unfortunate. Ugh. I don't actually think he remembered that. I don't think he would have done that if he remembered, <laughs> but, which I don't know if that's worse or not. But <laughs> but the doctor, when I was like about to do the leap, was like typing, typing, typing a computer, like not even looking at me and just rattling off my medical history, which included both of my parents having cancer and my dad having died from it. Hmm. And she was like, oh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. I'm like, um, hello, wow. human yeah. being sobbing over here. Yeah. Yeah, Like, this might be the fourth one of these you've done today, but I'm here for the very first time. Yeah, we right. don't talk a lot about medical trauma and how how dehumanizing and frightening it can be to see a doctor and all the different ways that, like, bedside manner is just so important. It's true. <laughs> and I know that doctors are seeing a million patients a day and... It's it can be difficult to pause and remember that every single person you're interacting with is having like a whole bunch of feelings. But like, especially when it comes to pain, like H, like whenever there's something like that, like a testing being done, it's just I just want to yell at them. Like, can you just be kind to me? And I've had mm-hmm. some doctors who were amazing, and I have a I I've been seeing my um my doctor for a decade, even though she's in another state and I have to haul ass to go get my annual physical. Cause I'm like, you're nice. I am yeah. never leaving you <laughs> because right. it's just, it's so frustrating. And there are a million conversations we could have about women and about pain, not being heard by doctors and all of that. But it is just, it adds to the trauma of a diagnosis of treatment and of that feeling of shame and terror that people associate with STIs because if your testing experience is terrifying and dehumanizing, the whole thing is going to, it's that cascades. So mad about it. I'm really sorry that happened. That sucks. Yeah. Well, not to the best, but like, I think having conversations like this is so helpful. That's the first time that I've actually ever shared that story publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, And even just talking about it helped and, talking to other people who had similar experiences really helped because now I think I'm better able to advocate for myself in moments like that. In in that moment, I just cried in the corner by myself and didn't say anything. Yeah. And now I'm that might happen again. I'm going to give myself grace for that. But generally, I'm better able to advocate for myself because I've had these like, yeah, I'm mad about this conversations with people. 
Absolutely. I was um I was in the hospital last week. I'm fine, but oh. I had <laughs> I'm fine, but I okay. had um it's like acute costochondritis or something. It's like when the place where your rib meets your breastbone becomes inflamed and I, very Ow. random. But apparently it's like pretty common for women in their like 30s and 40s. Um but anyway, I was completely freaked out, but I'd had enough experience with doctors because of my years of like herpes and, and depression and PTSD that I rolled into the ER with my like giant Stephen King book. And I was like, yeah, my chest hurts. Please help. <laughs> and as hor- as like stressful and scary as the experience was, it was a lot easier for me to talk to the doctors and be like, okay, I did not understand anything you said. Can you please write it down on a piece of paper so that I can receive this information later like I went by myself because I was like I got this I've been around the block but like 10 years ago I would have been petrified and sobbing the entire time and instead I was just like watching the history channel in bed like crying a little bit because I was in pain but I I I daddied those doctors to be frank (laughs) 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 because I just I've learned how to advocate for myself in those situations from these like decades of dealing with doctors who have been pushy or too fast or in some way disengaged. It also helped that I every person who saw me at the hospital was a woman, except for like the orderly who checked me in. And so it was a lot easier for me to be like, oh yeah, put these EKG stickers all over my body. Like you do what you want. Like I felt I felt a lot safer. Yeah. Um bodies are weird. Like that's the thing I keep coming back to is bodies are just extremely weird. They do random shit. It's rarely if ever your fault. <laughs> like it's just very random. And I think that's terrifying because we want to think that we have control over our bodies and our health. But like sometimes you wake up with chest pains that are caused by nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's very scary. But it also means that it doesn't reflect your character. Like the link between health and character does not exist. But we perpetuate that idea because it makes us f- have this false sense of security. But it leads to people being ignorant and people being ableist and disrespectful of other folks needs and it's a mess that's like I've become much more interested in um, disability rights because it's just bodies are nonsense they do weird stuff and the way that we approach people with different bodies is ignorant and harmful and it makes me sad I think one good question I think to kind of wrap this up would be for the people that don't have herpes let's say they get disclosed too uh, whether it's a friend, whether it's dating, relationship, whatever the situation. Someone tells them, hey, I have herpes, and whatever their spiel is. Uh, what advice would you have for the people that are getting disclosed too? Because I think that's something we don't talk about that much. I think you nailed it earlier with say thank you. Um, I think that there's such... Um, it's such a nerve wracking conversation to have or to have sprung on you that it's normal to freeze up and not know what to say, especially if you don't want to offend the person who's sharing with you. Um, but always a good way to default to thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. That's a lot for me to process, but I really appreciate you telling me. Um, and you don't have to say, oh, I'm so sorry or like, you don't have to frame it as this terrible thing. You can just say, oh, thank you. Like that's, I'm glad to know that now. Um, I respect that you shared that with me. 
Um, and you're allowed to just sit with that. You don't have to ask follow-up questions. I think earlier you were saying sometimes ask, well, sometimes people ask, well, how did you get that? Because they feel like they need to ask because it's a politeness thing. Mm. You don't have to. <laughs> um, one of the questions that I really respect when I've disclosed that I get from folks is, well, what does that mean practically? Because then it's yeah. just like jumping past any type of judgment, but still acknowledging like, I don't really know anything about this. It's a more practical conversation. And it also right. suggests that like, I don't know how I feel about this yet, but I'd like to know what it would mean for us to be together. Um, I love that question. And that gives me the space to say like, oh, well, I haven't had an outbreak in a very long time. So like the risk of transmission is pretty low, but like we can use condoms. Um, you could ask for a specific test from your doctor if you wanted to. Like it leaves room for potential and for collaborating as opposed to like shutting down the conversation. Um, so yeah, that's always my favorite is like, well, what does that mean? I had someone when I was um, newly diagnosed, I started hooking up with this absolute fuck boy who's like a total sweetheart <laughs> and like did not care that I had herpes. And I think that was the first thing he said was just like, well, what does that mean that you have herpes? Like, can mm. You have the right. floor. Like, I don't know anything about this. Like, <laughs> what should I know? Because I'd like to have sex with you. Like, can you can you tell yeah. me more about that? <laughs> and it was great. That's great. Uh, he was yeah. a sweetie. He was he was a mess in other ways, but like did not care that I had herpes whatsoever. Bless his heart. Um, but yeah, you can be curious, but you don't you you just be mindful of what you're asking. Um, and it's okay to to admit that you don't know anything about it and you shouldn't put it on your partner to educate you about everything about herpes. You should do some Googling on your own, but you're allowed to just be like, well, what do you do about this? Like, how do you like yeah. to handle this? Ella, this has been amazing. I can't wait for everyone to hear this and, you know, hopefully be able to have better conversations with people as well, regardless of whether they have herpes or they don't. Let the people know, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on any social platform at bros and pros because I write prose about bros, although less so these days. I've stopped dating bros, which has been great for my mental health. Um, <laughs> but it. yeah, you can find me anywhere. Um, I also these days pretty much live on Patreon where I write every month about relationships, uh, mental health. Occasionally I write about herpes, but at this point I've kind of run out of things to say other than hot takes on podcasts. <laughs> um, but yeah, please become a patron. And then next year, my my novel is coming out so someday it will be in bookstores near you it's called the reunion and it's about a bunch of millennials going back to their college reunion and realizing oh no how far we have fallen um <laughs> but it's very sexy and i snuck Ooh. in there one of the characters does have herpes there's like a one Hell little yeah. line about it nice. so something to look forward to um but yes you can also watch my tedx talk about herpes if you have not already uh it is very close to a million views so as a personal favor to me go watch it like 60 times yes let's get it <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, really like so i don't much. see yeah i don't see any proceeds from that it's just like a vanity thing i would love to hear i love it i'm here for views. it <laughs> no it is a great ted talk so uh thank you so much again for coming on i always love talking to you um and thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you next week. <laughs>